Hey, welcome to Info Under the Radar, the show where we talk with an expert to simplify everyday ideas, concepts, and subjects that surround us. Hello and welcome to episode three on our mini series of personal identity. I'm your host Vishwajit, and I'm Devendra. And this is the final part of the mini series that we have, so grand finale of sorts. So expect the episode to be slightly longer, mm-hmm. but the last episode ended on the note of how does one define the relationship with God in a not so concrete fashion. So taking right. the cue from there, the third episode would now start with someone who strongly associates their identity with religion as, as like mm-hmm. the first and foremost thing. And how does it shape their worldview? How does it percolate down to their day-to-day personal relationship? And how does it shape their moral compass? So that's more, it's um, at this point, it, we feel like we should give you some sort of a trigger warning, which is the opinions expressed here might not be something that you align with or maybe something that you completely oppose, but it's mm-hmm. not about finding right or wrong in one's opinion in this case. It's mostly about understanding what does the other end of the spectrum looks like when you talk about identities that are rather stronger and that you don't seem to uh, listen around you on a day-to-day basis. Maybe they do exist, but this was the space where at least we would, if you were able to listen to that. So please be, please listen to this at your own discretion. Having said that, this was a rather interesting episode for for us as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just also want to add on the last point that there was an intention behind um, uh, putting stories like that, because when we talk about identity, identities are not always what we consider identity in more rather liberal um, Western world, where two of us also uh, come from and live but rather how everyone defines their identity and especially in the different parts of the world where having a strong influence of religion or cultural impact, et cetera. So keep that in mind. And it's also beautifully takes Mm -hmm. into the part that how it can impact someone, someone's different identities based on their other stronger identity, meaning in this case in point, religious identity can impact someone's sexual or gender identity as well yeah the perception of it as well and which is also so the two topics that we talk about in this is uh, a rather strong religious identity and we were fortunate enough to talk with a person from the transgender community so rather a sexual and gender identity so this was a rather uh, interesting discussion for us because uh, if if you're not living under a rock you would have heard the statement time and again from the transgender community that they didn't feel like they were in the right body but being a heterosexual male, I never really knew what it means. So we were mm-hmm. able to dive deeper into that. We talk about uh, how does the perception of the society also shapes when they know that you're going through a transition. And the dual struggle of the person that we talked with, which was not just a sexual or a gender outlier in some sense, but also someone who's also an ethnic outlier from where he lives now or where he where he was born and brought up rather mm-hmm. so the two major aspects being religion sexual and gender identity being the topics that we've covered in this part so i think uh, since this is the last part we would also like to say that if you do find any of these parts interesting if it created any spark any conversation about your own identity or identity of people around you then please reach out to us on our social media 
you can always find um, the links to them also in our show notes toward the end of episode as well. Quick reminder, they are Info Under the Radar on Instagram and Info Under the Radar on Twitter. Mm -hmm. We are also active on YouTube and LinkedIn as well. Mm -hmm. You just have to type Info Under the Radar. And one last thing from my side would be that since it's a very different format we have been um, experimenting with for last three episodes where we are talking about identity, where we are bringing personal, very personal stories in this case. So if you find this format interesting um, and you found it yeah, different in any shape or form than the other formats we have been doing, then also do let us know. I'll just add to that and which is please show some word of a vocal support if you enjoyed the episode because mm-hmm. that would ensure from our end that we could maybe do a bonus episode on that. In the making of this episode, there were many stories that we had to unfortunately uh, put on the side or put on the hold because we had time restrictions. But having said that, if you guys really enjoy this part and if you've been listening to until this part, please show us your support on any social media platform so that we know that another episode would be worth your time and we would invest our time into uh, publishing it. So having said that, without taking much of your time, Thank you for being with us for the previous two parts. And we hope you enjoy the third part. Without further ado, let's move on to our conversation with Professor Theo Klimstra. Welcome back, Theo. How are you doing? Pretty pretty good. Pretty good. It's uh, always good to have a spring break. So uh, we're in it now. So yeah. Yeah. Um, So... Just to take a brief review of that, last time we talked about language and you talked about being a Frisian and uh, how does that shape one's identity and how did you get to know it once you were away from your home ground? And then we moved on to talk about cultural aspects of things, focusing on the racial aspect of someone being while, and then understanding what the personal space means in different cultures. And this is what, if we say roughly in a quick minute or so, we covered. So... Mm-hmm. Do you have any afterthoughts on that? Have you thought about it after the recording? Anything you want to add, subtract? <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think, uh, mm-hmm. like, maybe just uh, something, you know, with, especially with racial identity aspects, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty complicated, especially because you have to really understand somebody's racial identity and what, what it means to them. You got to have, like, a very identical racial identity in a particular context to fully understand the experience. Mm-hmm. So yeah, might might be good to add like uh, what I, yeah what I said about that was yeah based on like what I know from the literature, but I can only tell things from the literature and from my conversations with with folks. Uh, but not yeah, I, I will I will never fully understand somebody else's positionality because mm-hmm. like I didn't grow up well not in this country. Mm. Uh, and yeah, my, my racial identity is also just different. So that's, uh, that's always good to, to keep in mind with anything really also gender identity. I can only Mm -hmm. from personal experience and from fully understanding it, I can only understand it from my particular position. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that goes to also two of us to be Mm -hmm. fair, whenever we are sharing our opinions and ideas. So, yeah. So just when you thought the last topic was complicated, we have slightly lighter topics with you to talk about yeah. today religious identity. <laughs> yeah let's jump right into it whether we like it or not majority of human history has been where 
almost everyone at some point identified with one religion or the other. From that perspective or from the perspective of being nurtured as a, in a conventional or religious household, religion does play a part of our identity, but then there is a strong and weak association. And without further expanding my opinion on that first, in this one, we should just maybe just start with first clip. The first clip we have is the person up front identifies himself and considers religion his top priority, something that primarily identifies with. So, yeah, I think uh, because the clip might not include this part. So mm -hmm. when I ask the question, how do you define your identity? I think it's important to keep in mind. He mentions first about being being a straight male. And second, very important was being his faith. Mm -hmm. uh, and he comes from specific faith, which you will hear in the clip itself, being very important to him. As a religious Muslim, how much like God is important for you in general versus you being Muslim, particularly Sunni Muslim in your case is very important to you. So that's a very interesting thing because mostly people don't make a distinction in these two things. I also actually uh, don't make a distinction. Okay. Me being a personally for me, being a Sunni Muslim means you have to have this uh, extreme level of faith in God. Okay, but as far as it concerns uh, how I would like to uh, present myself, uh, if if there's only one thing that a person can know about me or about my identity, in uh, I would much rather him know that him or her know that I'm a Sunni Muslim than them knowing that I have uh, extreme faith in God, because for me, my ex my my faith in God is something for uh, me only for me mm -hmm. and it's something very private to me mm -hmm. and it's okay if no one knows that part of my identity I'm fine with that mm -hmm. but if but, but people must know that uh, yeah I'm a Sunni Muslim and I why like is this that? thing uh, yeah I uh, I uh, because in today's climate everyone has made a point to show who they are to, to overtly express, people have all sorts of stickers on their cars, people wear all sorts of clothing. And, and, and uh, so in, in my opinion, or in my, uh, I, I don't clothe differently, mm -hmm. but at the same time, if I'm having a discussion with someone and if something related to religion comes, then it's important for me to know, for them to know that I'm a Sunni Muslim so that they can structure their arguments and the conversation and the communication accordingly. Because mm -hmm. I'd much rather them mince their words and be careful around me if they were saying something which I might not like, rather than them saying whatever they want just because they don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. I've had certain instances where I was sitting in a cab and we were going through an area which had large Muslim populations mm -hmm. and the cab driver just started, uh, you know, bad-mouthing Muslims. Mm -hmm. blaming Muslims for lots and lots of issues. Mm -hmm. And I don't look Muslim. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a that's an understandable statement or not. Mm -hmm. That's a looking Muslim because Muslims don't look different. They are, all of us are humans. Mm -hmm. But in, 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 in an Indian traditional sense, I don't look like a traditional Indian Muslim. Mm -hmm. So lots, often people just, uh, they open up about their hatred towards Muslims. I've, I've had it thrice, four times. Mm -hmm. uh, cab drivers, uh, acquaintances they've mm -hmm. done that 
and uh, after the end of the conversation uh, i often end up not telling them that i am a muslim mm. but to save myself and themselves mostly myself the awkwardness and and so i don't want but i don't like hearing what they say that they just blame uh, that the muslims are bad no these muslims are bad these mm-hmm. people are bad but that has nothing to do with right. them being muslims right okay that has nothing to do with them or their religion so i just feel bad when they bad mouth people and then sort of club them so now i just go ahead and tell people if it all this comes mm-hmm. i tell them that yeah i am also muslim so that they don't just say whatever comes to their mind okay so uh, maybe just to set up the stage a bit more because he mentioned something that he does not look like a traditional indian muslim i mean i i'm not sure how much you are familiar with it since i am from india maybe i can describe it i think what he is referring to might be a lot of people think if you are wearing this cap which a lot of muslims wear or having a long beard which a lot of uh, male muslims tend to have or wearing this traditional dress uh, like kurta pajama in, in hindi i don't even know if there is an english term for it so that's how you kind of define maybe in a stereotypical sense which is not a bad thing uh, a traditional indian muslim and that's what he's saying because if you look at him he's just a regular he dress up like however uh, any other person would dress up uh, yeah. in india or in west yeah mhm mm-hmm. okay yeah that's yeah that, that's that's very very uh, useful yeah background background knowledge already I, what i really think uh, is just uh, very uh, yeah interesting about this uh, this clip is, as well as that like so we all have our different identity like different parts of our identity and is also yeah research on that like how different people describe themselves primarily so you can for example ask people the question uh, uh, or like the open ended statement uh, uh 10 or 20 times and it says like i am and then like what we'd like to think is that like the first thing that you fill out at the, at the first one uh well that, that that that's the most important part of your identity and i think yeah that this person would would fill out uh, yeah being a being a muslim would probably yeah being a sunni muslim would probably be very yeah important to him so clearly this is uh, yeah it's uh, it seems to be like a very yeah important aspect of identity as also perhaps because there no he, he seems to have well he quite quickly brings up uh, yeah kind of yeah, bad experiences that he had uh mm-hmm. when he didn't refer to to this this yeah important part of his identity which would then basically be questioned and yeah and put him in a position where you kind of almost can't bring it up anymore without getting into a conflict and that's of course like it kind of kind of shows like uh, yeah how 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 um, yeah damaging also like that kind of feedback uh, on one's identity yeah can be uh, because like yeah if we can't even like if we feel like we can't say that we are who we think we are well that, that that's that that's difficult so that's uh, i thought it was very uh, yeah very uh, interesting here uh, yeah, to to also hear that especially with like yeah for example if you're in a cap yeah mm-hmm. 
Typically, uh, you don't really start a conversation with like, uh, <laughs> hey, I'm, uh, well, whatever you think is the most important to you. So, yeah, it's very, very natural that you kind of can get into that kind of uh, situation, of course. I think, again, yeah. for the context, he is living in India, which is which has a big Muslim population, about 200 million people uh, are yeah. following Mus- uh, Islam, but it's still a majority Hindu country of 1.3 billion people. So he, he yeah. is still coming from a minority just for a context. Um, and that that's why uh, maybe that can give you even more idea of why you can even hear, at least I can hear in, in his voice about this feeling of getting not, I don't know if discriminated, but rather at least feeling a bit ashamed of can he even share if because they're putting him in a certain box. Yeah, no, no, it's, uh, so that's also an interesting point. Yeah, like the size of your, uh, of the group that you belong to. Well, especially in a country like India, yeah, where there's so many people and, and it can be 200 million people with like, well, probably would identify largely the same as, as he does. Yeah. Like, Perhaps it would not be their top uh, pick for for what they had, uh, yeah, identify with, but probably mm-hmm. for a lot of them it would be. But like uh, even then, like two hundred million, but yeah, if they're one point, uh, well, Three over billion, a billion yeah. other yeah. other other folks uh, identifying differently, you're still a minority. So that's also an important uh, mm-hmm. factor to consider, and also like the way that that particular identity is viewed by that ma- uh, majority, because. There might be other minorities that perhaps yeah bring up less like yeah, negative feelings in like mm-hmm. the majority mm-hmm. uh, or like with yeah I, I should probably say I should probably put it a little bit different like with uh, that are less stigmatized basically than mm-hmm. the, the kind of group that he belongs to so that's mm-hmm. uh, yeah that kind of leads me to my question which I wanted to ask what factors determine someone's first pick of identity questionnaire as you said i am being religious like what factors lead to that Uh, because everyone as they've set the stage very nicely before we played this clip about everyone has different experiences or or grew up in a certain environment where you might uh, come in touch with with religion in one way or the other i wonder what leads to for certain people especially in this case him even in a place where he might look down upon having a certain faith, still having this strong connection to religion or faith, determining as it's the most important thing of identity, where does it come from? Yeah, well, there can be multiple factors involved. So with religion, it's already uh, what much like identity, uh, which is about a set of uh, morals and uh, yeah, values. And so uh, a religion also particularly, yeah, specifically comes with a set of values that's why it's yeah almost close to to the to, to the entire concept of identity as well so that that's why it can become so identity defining and especially as he put it like if you're a sunni muslim and like that's that's true for many many uh religious affiliations or even to some people for for like uh atheists that can also be a very strong part of your identity because you completely reject it so and any religious spiritual uh affiliation is so close to your core it can be so close to your core values that mm-hmm. therefore it can yeah bump up as like one of the defining parts of your identity other factor i think in this case is also that just the fact that 
yeah, it is something that is yeah, stigmatized, but that you still feel strong about. And it's mm -hmm. yeah, something that is frequently questioned. And if something is frequently questioned, you start to think about it more. And mm -hmm. that can also make it uh, yeah, a more defining part of your uh, identity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just to, to, for example, to go back to, to my own uh, experience, like I never thought about uh, being Friesian when I was uh, in Friesland because it was never questioned. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> and as soon as it got questioned, it bumped up uh, basically. And like, yeah, mm -hmm. if, if, if you're already in a place where a certain part of your identity that is important to you is questioned, it might become even more important. From our discussion so far, to me, it seems that there are certain aspects of our identity that are just given to us. Like me, my racial identity is just given to me. I had no choice in it. Language, yeah. to a great extent, the first language is, of course, a given to you. you. You didn't really have much choice in it. Absolutely. Religion, to me, strikes slightly differently because I cannot unlearn entirely a language. That's, that's a very rare thing that people do. Religion, on the other hand, as you mentioned, the exam of atheism, that's mm -hmm. exactly people discarding an entire part of what was a given or inherited identity to them. So is this aspect of identity, per se, the religious aspect of an identity, really a choice? That's, that's, that's also a tough one, of course, because, yeah, in, in a way, of course, it's, it's of course, it's more of a choice than, like, for example, racial identity, because, like, yeah, you cannot change it. Uh, and like yeah, there's several parts of your identity that are at least harder to change, like gender identity. That's still still a little bit questionable. Of course, you could change that, but that, that, that's still yeah harder to change. It's more of a process to change than, for example, religious identity under most circumstances, at least. Mm -hmm. However, if if you're in a region uh, yeah where the yeah, where the vast majority of uh, it yeah is yeah it does affiliate with a certain yeah religion and a certain yeah subtype of uh, within that religion as well, and then it become can become also like really such a strong part of your identity that it really becomes very hard to to, to identify with something else because I do for example remember uh, I as a as a PhD student, I once stayed in an international guest house in, in uh, Leuven in Belgium uh, for, for, for a couple of months. And there was a, a researcher from, well, from Pakistan. And he described himself, himself as a Muslim, but he said, like, but I don't believe in God. However, I don't know how to describe myself differently. So, and that, that's probably because he was in like a, yeah, very much like uh, in an area where everybody would identify as Muslim, basically, uh, or at least that's how he described it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, then, then it also becomes yeah, something that is really hard to question. So, or that might not even really come up yet, yeah, like that it is something that you could question. However, yeah, he did question the values that came along with it, but he didn't question the label uh, as much. So that's, uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's very interesting and fascinating because I, I don't know about you, Dave, but mm -hmm. I never heard someone saying <laughs> that I'm coming from a religion, but mm -hmm. not believing God, because that sort of goes in opposite of how mm -hmm. we see religion, right? 
Um, Unless but, you're from Scientology. <laughs> no, but perhaps like yeah, one thing uh, there is also that, so religion also shapes culture. Uh, so there's also, mm. for example, uh, here, uh, like with Jewish people, uh, there, there's, it's more common, I would say, like they really strongly identify as Jewish, like, as in ethnic, as an ethnic label. Right. But then a lot of people <laughs> might automatically think that that you would then also like uh, identify with uh, with uh, yeah judaism as, as a mm. faith which doesn't necessarily is, is not necessarily true but if the label mm. is the same it can become a little bit uh, yeah complicated basically and and i think that might have also happened there for example mm. that it, it sort of becomes it's not really an ethnic label but it's almost mm. replaces like mm. something like an ethnic label so mm. that's mm. Uh, uh, then is this label a, just a social construct? Uh, well, yeah, that's 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 the interesting part about all of those uh, all of those kind of uh, labels. And in the end, it's it's yeah, much of much of what it is is a social uh, construct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what I wanted to ask was, in some cases, people are able to change, particularly with religious identity. I think it's a bigger movement, maybe in West, not necessarily in other parts. Whereas you said you might not even have a, I don't know, choice or even question in your head that you can even think something else. But in any case, even in, in these setups, let's say if we consider a country like Germany, which is very open, you can have any religion, whatever you want, but it's still roughly a majority Christian country if you just look at statistically, right? And yeah. I wonder what leads to people, especially coming from strong faith, let's say the story we heard of someone, lead to start first of all questioning this identity at the first place and then what causes to go on the other side of saying okay taking such a strong step of saying mm -hmm. i do not believe in this faith in this religion which i come from which is something very very strong and it's very very hard to do because i have done that myself this process and it was super hard for me one of the hardest thing i've done to be honest so i'm, I'm curious mm -hmm. I can, of course, share my opinion on it, but I don't want to be about my, my story. But I'm curious what leads to that. First, like the change, what causes first questioning it? And then secondly, having this possibility to go even beyond that, even though how many fears are associated with it. Yeah, so uh, yeah, much of the process that is involved in yeah, coming up with this like new set of values, ideals, and so on. It's, it's just yeah, more more general identity formation processes. We tend to start out from like yeah, something yeah, things like our parents, for example, or caregivers more generally, uh, or people in our environment more generally tend to identify with. And then yeah, also moving to a different context can then sometimes just uh, like show you that like those values really aren't like the only option for example and therefore you might start questioning it uh, it could also be that like the values that you had don't always fit that well with your you know with your lived experience so like as you gain more life experience uh, you, you encounter different people therefore yeah your your uh, the, the values uh, associated with your initial faith no longer seem to work or at least uh you can no longer be yeah no, no longer take them for granted really and okay. then yeah you might get into this like kind of exploration phase where you look for different values and then decide whether or not there is something that is perhaps that fits perhaps better like who you are and might work better for who you are 
Yeah, and of course, if there's a lot of pressure to stay within a religious group, that that might be. Yeah, then it can be even harder because, like, yeah, the problem is with yeah, with with choosing one part of your identity or changing one part of your identity. Like, our all all parts of our identity uh, identities are interconnected. So as soon as you change one part, oh, yeah, the whole puzzle basically changes. So, mm-hmm. and therefore, like, if you feel like a lot of things might change for the better or not <laughs> and then, then, then that might of course be more difficult because then you would need to change a larger part of your identity and that can be it can just be pretty yeah, terrifying just frank quite frankly so that's yeah I, I don't know how that how that resonates with your experiences of course but like uh, uh now you put me on the spot uh, <laughs> I, no 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 i think it's fair it's a fair question um i i will try to be brief yeah i mean it does it does resonate a bit i think for me it was more about as you said not matching sometimes your life experiences with the values comes from a certain belief system and then kind of questioning them through and throughout but I think with a lot of time faith there is a fear associated with it what if you know because you have been almost taught if I can say the word to think in a certain way because if you don't then something bad is going to happen more or less I'm of course I'm generalizing it I'm sure there are exceptions in other religions or whatever but that's my understanding of overall religion as a concept so I think that's why it's very terrifying and then there is a community aspect of it as well be it with your parents for example they're telling them okay you taught me this set of values but I reached a certain point in life that I'm not believing them in at all so that can even give them a feeling that you almost fail them if that makes yeah. sense right and so those things makes it even harder I think for example if you are not in that community setup that definitely helps you to get it out of much easier which was the case for me uh, I started questioning more when I'm in uni when I'm surrounded with anyways with more liberal like open-minded people that is I'm not living with my parents or people who are following a certain belief system and then once I move the country then of course it's you realizing okay the value system you internally have matches a lot with actually opposite of what certain belief system you're supposed to follow and Mm -hmm. and yeah so that's supposed to sort of how it happened for me yeah so it does resonate in 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 short in parts Mm -hmm. what you said Sorry, Dev, you wanted to ask something. Yeah. yeah. No, no, listening to this story as well and what you were talking before, I want to dial it back a bit, which is, is there any research or do you have any thoughts on how does the inception of identifying oneself with religion, with religion takes place? Because I, I'm not sure if children understand religion, they regurgitate based off of mm-hmm. what they listen off of their community, parents or elders. But when does, how does this understanding grow into the to the point where they start identifying with it yeah so, so that that's that's yeah again related basically to, to do more general identity processes so mm-hmm. a lot of the yeah, you don't really question that uh, as a child it might happen like very late on in childhood but like very very rarely children will question like the values and 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 the ideals that come with a certain religion that their parents might have it's only uh, when you grow a little bit older so in adolescence basically when you start more like questioning the general values of your parents or whoever of of your community perhaps even that you uh, yeah that you start like 
kind of seeing what yeah which parts of this to really represent me is there is there something better that that might describe me better that might fit better with what with uh, the, the way i think the world works mm. and yeah that's that's not very different for religion than for uh compared to other aspects of identity except for yeah when you're in an environment like yeah, our cultures are just uh, also like yeah, they emphasize certain values and de-emphasize other values and religion mixes into that and sometimes yeah religion comes with really yeah very clear yeah, guidelines of how you should behave or uh what is considered uh, quote unquote good and bad and mm-hmm. um, actually again that's not only true for religion there, there's other belief systems like political belief systems as as well mm. uh, or scientific belief systems uh, in certain fields of research like if there if, if there's a really a strong emphasis on certain aspects of such a belief system and that, that, that are really like yeah considered good and then it's kind of hard to question those so in that sense uh as far as that's more strongly so the case for for relig- religion spirituality compared to yeah, other parts of our identities yeah it could be could be harder to to change that as uh, those aspects especially in a, in a setting where yeah there's not a lot of uh yeah religious uh diversity does rationality play a major role when one is questioning these aspects of one's identity rationality well so what you often see is is yeah it's kind of what, what you described uh you went to college and, and then you started uh, questioning it yeah and a lot of what we what we see in the academia in, in the at universities is mm-hmm. is yeah this belief in like uh rationality based uh, certain laws of nature and so on and sometimes also just like straight out uh yeah condemnation almost of religion mm-hmm. uh, of religious faith i don't know what your experience of that is for example but like in the netherlands mm-hmm. i i did see that at universities that there is this like kind of strong drive at least among researchers towards uh not believing in anything uh <laughs> really atheism mm-hmm. which is yeah also interesting of course because it's and that that for example is very different here where i'm now where most of my i would say like most of my colleagues or at least at least half of my colleagues would describe themselves they would probably describe themselves as mostly yeah christian for example and that's yeah, in the netherlands in 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 any department that worked in the netherlands that was definitely not the case so that's <laughs> actually i was wondering and that's a bit of a broader question um maybe be goes beyond religion but uh, i was wondering since a lot of times when you are questioning identity there is f- fear associated with it especially when you are questioning it up to a point where you might even considering changing it the more you question it the more you fear about things i think it becomes much more impactful when it comes to religion because in religion there are as you said it's a very clearly stated in most religion if you do xyz then you are in hell if you are do abc then you are in in you heaven. know heaven things so so i yeah. think it becomes much harder right that uh, you have this additional layer of fear and i'm sure this is also true for when people coming out for example which i have only heard from friends who have gone through process so i cannot really 
I don't know, relate to it per se, but at least even for me, I, I realized that there was so, such a big fear associated with it of just coming out in that sense, you know, you are discarding your faith. Um, I wonder that, is there any research which describes like the association of fear and identity and people who tend to change their identity are less fearful versus people who are not? Actually, yeah, so, so that, that's that's where we kind of get to uh, yeah, a more general framework about identity called the identity uh, status approach, where you can yeah, more or less define, uh, well, it's, it's, it's an oversimplification, but it's kind of nice oversimplification that helps us to make sense of the complexities. You could classify people into four identity statuses. So the first one would be diffusion, where you're not committed to anything, but you also you're not really figuring out where to go, where you want to go with life. Then, then there's foreclosure. You've got very strong com commitments, but you haven't really ever thought about like alternatives. And then there's a moratorium, which is the kind of uh, one that you're uh, mostly referring to, because that's so you might have previously had commitments, but you really start questioning them and you're in this process of finding something yeah, new. And so your commitments are down and you're in this like, yeah, kind of like classic identity crisis. That's, that's what that moratorium sta status is. And that is very much associated with anxiety uh, and so on. That, that is what we see in research. Mm. And then, yeah, the final one that I didn't mention yet was uh, uh, identity achievement. That's the idea that, like, uh, you explored several options, you picked one of those, and you're very happy with that, at least for the moment. So then you would be considered identity achieved. Uh, but, and that is usually associated with, like, lower fear, just like foreclosure. Uh, where you haven't really explored, but you have strong commitments, is also associated with yeah, lower uh, fear. Mm. And yeah, moratorium, that, that kind of identity crisis-like moment is in, indeed associated with yeah, more fear, uh, sometimes also le higher levels of sadness, at least for the moment. Mm. Uh, yeah, because it is stressful in the moment, because yeah, more generally, identity, our identities provide us uh, with a sense of yeah, sameness and continuity, like, you know where you're going to go in life. And then with religious identity more uh, particularly, it even goes beyond that, right? Like, uh, if you've got a strong religious identity and you're, yeah, you're committed to it, it's, it's not just like it gives you, not only gives you certainty in life, but also afterlife, like where you're going <laughs> to go. And that's, that, that might make it even more, uh, yeah, anxiety provoking to question that. The way you described it sounds very much like relationships, like different stages of relationship <laughs> where you're committed and not questioning other options. And then sometimes you're exploring. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. It's, well, there is the concept of religious identity. And we, we actually did research on that with romantic relationships among college students, yeah. uh -huh. where we actually uh, yeah, could predict, uh, well, at least uh, with some some level of certainty, of course, prediction, mm -hmm. statistical prediction is never perfect, whose relationships would end in, in, uh, in the next year. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. So, is the software <laughs> online? <laughs> <laughs> well, so it wasn't that good. Wasn't, uh, like, we could just say, like, oh, yeah, this person is more likely to... Uh, 
uh, experience a, a relational uh, breakup. But, uh, yeah. It's just a very academically safe language to use, more likely to do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, well, it, it's more accurate because yes. uh, honestly, our statistical approach is, uh, well, we, we, almost, we almost, well, I would say like we, we just kind of like never ever <laughs> can predict something with 100 percent uh, certainty yeah. in psychology so that's yeah. A, yeah unless you're trying to build a startup based on your, your hypotheses then you will tell all the vcs no it's 100 percent certain <laughs> well it, it, would, it was a very popular approach in uh, among researchers for many years <laughs> yeah try to move away from that yeah, so that's yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> try to make it more sound like science maybe <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> okay so we, we talked about like the foundational aspects of religion so far religion does come with second order effects as if i identify myself as of a particular religion then in that sense, some of the rules that you just mentioned, they would come as part and parcel. Now, I would be, I could be a very reasonable person, but now that I have committed to the idea of identifying with the religion, those rules mm -hmm. are something that are unquestionably to be adopted by me. And this was just a premise for the, the opinion of the, the second clip that mm -hmm. we wish to play, uh, in which we talk about how his perception of a particular rule is when it comes to the religion that he follows, that is Islam in this case. Mm -hmm. I, I, I guess I, I've never, uh, I've never ever in interacted with a homosexual also, okay. to be honest. Mm -hmm. So I really don't know what will happen then. Will I actually physically, my facial expression will show what I feel for them or not, or will I be able to hide it, or will I actually change my belief? No idea at all. Mm. No idea. Mm. But right now, I am to a very, very good extent. Mm. I still am a homophobic person. Mm. Now, this also comes because of uh, my religion. Right. So Islam, in and of itself, has never embraced homosexuality. Has strongly condemned it. Mm. There are stories, there are incidents, uh, and this is this is one of those stories which we share with uh, bible as well it, it's a common story in both the holy books mm. where uh, it, it's a long story but the, the gist of it is that homosexuality is bad right and so i re i heard that i read that i watched videos on it i understood mm. it i absorbed it mm. during those during all those years and uh, when i came out of the education system at the age of 23 uh, an mba graduate mm. i was a person who was groomed towards not liking homosexuality mm. so since throughout the years as you mentioned the crucial years all i've heard heard about all i've learned about is how homosexuality is bad mm. uh, being straight is the only right right way mm. and if you uh, if you remember from the beginning of our discussion i told you i don't know what the spectrum is mm. i don't know what what is on the either ends of the spectrum where all I want to be on the right side mm. of the spectrum. Yes, yeah, so yeah. just uh, again mm. for the context, it's the same person we hear uh, before uh, who's uh, yeah. is a religious Sunni Muslim. This is his opinion, I should say, or belief uh, on, on homosexuality. Yeah, 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 and of, of course, yeah. This is also not uh, not unique to to, to Sunni Muslim. It's, yeah. it's uh, yeah. Also, it's, it's several Christian 
denominations can yeah kind of come with yeah similar uh, ideas and yeah there you you can see that like basically a yeah, sexual identity and religious identity are also kind of related of course because like let's say you are a sunni uh, muslim or a christian or yeah whatever whatever faith it is and you can you develop this this idea of like hey i might actually yeah my sexual identity doesn't really seem to yeah fit with this set of beliefs that comes with my religion that's difficult and uh we've uh, actually uh, we we do have some uh, some research on that uh, we we conducted some research in the netherlands among uh, international students uh uh, because like at my previous university in at Tilburg University in the Netherlands, we had this international program with students from all across Europe. And we did this research on what we call identity negotiation. Yeah, we did some interviews and several students brought up that like they came from yeah conservative areas, at least in, in the sense of like yeah, certain religions where yeah, yeah, homosexuality didn't wasn't really compatible with that religion, but they did identify as homosexual and then like in the Netherlands they would like live that identity whereas if they would go back home for like I don't know winter break or whatever they wouldn't live that identity and then they would have to make kind of sense of like yeah who am I in mm. these different contexts and how the, how is this compatible right. and even if you don't identify uh, necessarily yourself with with this uh, sexual identity that is at odds with with your religious identity you might still feel a little uncomfortable because maybe yeah, I'm, I'm not sure whether i heard that in this clip but but like a little bit uncomfortable with like yeah, how how would i react how yeah yeah is this like yeah, perhaps that that some of the thoughts about about uh, the 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 values that came with the religion were perhaps a little bit at odds with with some of the values that he had about about it. I don't know, but like that could happen. And you do have these belief systems that clash a little, mm. and then yeah, you need to figure that out. And then you get into this identity negotiation process, which is also just it's just complicated so yeah you do also see that like with with mutual influences between these different belief systems that like religious belief systems can also change across time mm -hmm. like for example with some christian denominations for example where like i, I know a couple of churches in the netherlands for example who do recognize same-sex marriage for example mm -hmm. so then you do see that like initially that would not have been possible, but like that belief system was adapted by, uh, uh, yeah, was changed due to another belief system. So that's, uh, yeah. I think it's like the branding problem which companies have, right? Like mm -hmm. after a certain point, you have to adapt what's happening culturally. It's like we see now in Hollywood, you see a lot more people of color. It's like churches yeah. adopting same-sex <laughs> marriages, but, but deep down a lot of them don't use to. So it's <laughs> kind of funny for me at least. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. I, so, so yeah, like any aspect of culture, everything is constantly, yeah, moving basically, due to yeah outside influences. Like yeah, culture is not uh, culture is not static. Uh, so different parts of that culture, like religious, uh, yeah, affiliations, religious cultural contexts, you could also say, like yeah, they're also not static. So that's uh, 
-hmm. even though if they go by the same book, the interpretation of that same book can, of course, yeah, change. And it often does. So that's, uh, yeah. What is interesting to me is that earlier we were talking about in face of fear, a person either becomes defensive about their identity or they would have to gather up courage to be more expressive about it. And now this is another aspect of another sentiment that is popularly considered negative. Like in the face of conflict now, how does the aspect of questioning one's identity involve then? Like even in the research you mentioned, and in this case, this person is a reasonable person, is a very well-educated person. You mentioned in the end of the clip that after his MBA, so he has done his master's as well. So assumingly well-educated and reasonable person, but then still there is this sense of conflict that is arising within his statement. So how does that develop and uh, propagate further in someone's head? Yeah, well, it kind of brings us back to that, 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 yeah, that same identity negotiation uh, process. Like, yeah, what kind of values do you prioritize, for example? Or perhaps you decide that yeah, different values apply to different contexts. Yeah, that could be a way to, to navigate around those, those kind of like, yeah, conflicting parts of our identities because we all like if we look very critically at ourselves we all have them mm -hmm. so for example uh, yeah i might for example value uh, i don't know uh, like uh, yeah equal opportunities for everyone and like uh, that housing is available to everyone yet i'm living in a neighborhood paying a lot of rent by accepting that rent, I'm also driving up the rent basically in that neighborhood. So there, 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 there's already a little bit of a class of my values. <laughs> and then I come up with these kind of like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's also, yeah, it's really hard to find a way around that. But like, uh, then I come up with these things like, yeah, but I still, yeah, I got to live somewhere, right? So then you kind of need to justify that for yourself. And then you kind of get to this, like your own unique set of values as well. So our more general identities and like the, the, the larger like structures that we identify with, so like religion, like mm -hmm. academic values or mm -hmm. like uh, any scientific values. Yeah, we rarely ever like full on like <laughs> accept everything from a, uh, from a particular belief system. Mm -hmm. uh, we often tweak it a little bit to fit our own, uh, yeah. yeah, our own circumstances mm -hmm. as well. And yeah, of course, like you almost have to as well, because otherwise it's going to be really hard to, to, to live your life. So that's, uh, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's all a little bit of a navigation mm -hmm. uh, process. And, and sometimes like if, if you really, really strongly believe in a certain belief system, yeah, then you're going to be less willing to make those adjustments. Like sometimes, yeah, it can also be easier to achieve something like that mm -hmm. if you are in a more yeah, homogenous setting, for example. So that it, it, it also depends on yeah, how homogenous or... Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I think uh, I think what I personally find interesting always is that sometimes uh, certain identities are so strong for example, religious identities that people form particular opinion about others. For example, in this case, he's not a homosexual, but he still have a very strong opinion, let's say, 
about homosexual just because it challenges his deeper inner value and and it becomes more interesting when it comes from your own family your own kids and that leads to sort of our next clip where we do yeah. go into this discussion about what if this person's own kid talk about yeah homosexuality at a young age uh, which is very highly likely in the society mm-hmm. you are probably also going to raise your kids where maybe kids are more open about uh, sexuality mm-hmm. then is that going to be a problem for you that they are hanging out with kids who are talking about these things and things like that right i i defended by saying that uh, if it ever comes to this mm-hmm. naturally the discussion and the questions they are going to come to us there's uh, there's always a possibility that they might do a research about it by themselves they never tell me yeah but if it ever comes to me and for that matter i will tell it to them beforehand mm. that this is right and this is wrong mm. so that if even if they do become friends with the person they also sort of uh, absorb or uh, practice my kind of mentality wherein right. they are friends with them they are totally good with them right. but as far as they are concerned they are strict and what if they so, come out to you and th- one of them says if they they are not straight for example so when they're 18 then then what so it's it's just like it's like one of my again it's another illogical comparison but it's like it's if one of my kids just come out mm-hmm. com- comes out and says to me mm-hmm. i committed a murder right you know the he still remains my kid mm-hmm. i cannot change that fact okay but that will significantly alter the relationship that i have with them. okay okay it will and i cannot so, it's like it's like I, the, the the way the give these people homosexual people they say that it's how they are built it's how i am built okay it's it's in my nature right it's how i am comfortable right even the though they are com- even though it's not hurting you in a way just because you will think that in afterlife that your kids are going on a wrong path by the virtue of your religion that will mm-hmm. cause you a lot of pain and that will basically will hinder your relationship yeah yeah okay understand and then there's there is the general uh, thing about uh, uh, if there are no rules to this mm-hmm. then there are uh, a slow descent into uh, you know anarchy because uh, in in the story and the narrations where from where the discussion of homosexuality comes in and my religion homosexuality and all these decisions that people meant that men started laying with men and women mm-hmm. started laying with women mm-hmm. it's often correlated with absolute anarchy and absolute okay. uh, sort of doom of the society there is no structure in place and so it starts there and then it doesn't uh, you know doesn't take too much time yeah, yeah. for everything just... else to crumble down that's yeah. how it's shown there Yeah, some strong words. Yeah, they they you can also see like I I thought like one 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 takeaway there as well is like he he says that even though even when like his kid would come out as a yeah like would come out as homosexual he would still regard the kid as his kid. So mm-hmm. that 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 is that is I think yeah very very like a valuable uh part there like he doesn't deny the existence of the of his like a uh, like a hypothetical kid mm-hmm. because of this so that's but like he basically just yeah describes as like 
yeah, it's not, it's not compatible with my values. And like, yeah, it's, it's, it's also interesting to see like, yeah, then yeah, of course, like, yeah, if, if the belief system basically prescribes that, like, if you're not straight, then you would go to hell basically, because like that, that that's kind of like, yeah, that, that, that is, uh, I think also what, what he's uh, mm-hmm. saying in a conversation. Right. So, but like, <laughs> Even though I, I uh, he might think uh, he, yeah, still regards it, uh, uh, would still regard his child as uh, as his kid, and yeah, I've heard things like that before uh, with uh, people. Uh, like a friend of mine has other friends who, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and this friend of mine is is yeah, very clearly eight, atheist. Uh, play uh, is a singer in his uh, folk punk band and. Uh, as a friend who is very religious and a religious friend says like, you're really a really fun guy, even though I, I know you'll go straight to hell after you, after you <laughs> die, but I'm still a friend of yours. So <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Living with a dichotomy. That, that, that is like, yeah, then, then you can still be like, yeah, dur- during life, you can still be at reasonable terms with each other, even mm. though you condemn somebody's values at another level completely. And I, I think that that's also just, that's a way to negotiate this kind of like, yeah, conflict as well. So when I hear this, what your friend of a friend is describing or what this person is saying, to me, this sounds like uh, that identities are purely for selfish reasons. Uh, or the association to them, because this person wants to still be, uh, you know, is not denying that he or she will be the kid, still remain the kid. So there is a selfish aspect to that because there is an emotional connection. But then there is a selfish aspect of what is going to happen to me after I'm dying. So that's why he is considering what is right or what is wrong, that homosexuality is wrong, and that's what he's going to teach his kids. So ultimately, then our associations, which can also be our identity in many cases, are purely selfish. Would you also describe our deeper identities as coming mostly from pure selfishness? We may or may not recognize that. Um, so yeah, that, that's a difficult one because, like, uh, so, so the way we we conceptualize identity in a, in a Western Westernized context is yeah in a kind of very individualist kind of way where <laughs> you could say it kind of becomes a selfish way of, of, of like making sense of the world uh, in a way so that we can understand it well <laughs> or can navigate it and you can say like yeah if, if I'm just gonna kind of like figure out the puzzle with all those pieces of identity mm-hmm. by coming up something that works for me yeah you you could describe that as selfish you could indeed describe it as selfish however there there are uh, there's also yeah identity literature concepts uh, concepts of identity from different cultures that are less westernized or less like individualistic also for that reason where identities are yeah much less like much less often identity really like more much less personal uh it's more about the group and what you mean to the group 
perhaps that's also already a little bit one of the things underlying yeah, religious identity, especially if you practice religious faith and you go to church or at a mosque or whatever, uh, yeah, like, uh, or whatever religious community you're part of, uh, yeah, it becomes like you become part of this group and it becomes perhaps to, yeah, it's less about you as an individual than it, but like, it's kind of hard for us, I guess, to understand because we've also all been like more or more or less raised in these systems where there is this heavy emphasis on, yeah, maybe that's different for you, but at least for me, that where there is this di uh, emphasis on, on like, yeah, individuality. So, However, yeah, like identities, like in some contexts, it's it's really not about so much about the person, but it's really all about the group yeah. and the group first and then the person. And yeah, there could also be a context. Uh, then it becomes less selfish as well. So that's, uh, <laughs> but maybe, yeah, you, you could at least describe like our way of describing identity and our way of negotiating identity is, is kind of selfish. But, but this, this story, this story was just to be sure, this story is not coming from a Western, uh, quote unquote, Western system yeah. or the mindset, just to be sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so well. That's yeah. Of course, that's already yeah. Very valuable. Uh, yeah, imp uh, yeah. To know, so that that is also why like yeah, it might be harder. Yeah, mm -hmm. like perhaps to understand like. But but you also said like the, this person went to college, right? Like yeah, to, yeah uh, very uh, very college. good university. Even went to abroad for university exchange in Europe, for example, things like that. So very well-educated, also coming from a very well-educated family. Yeah, yeah, so, so there might have already been at least some 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 outside influences kind of creeping into that, uh, yeah, in, in, into that yeah, identity construction uh, process there. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, uh, yeah, this person might just fail you belonging to that group like yeah in in, in his case like yes yeah, the sunni islam uh community mm -hmm. from yeah wherever he's <laughs> from uh that that might be such as that might be so important that like actually these these like individual feelings might be kind of secondary that could also be so that's that's mm -hmm. but it's yeah it's it's just hard probably for uh for 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 example, me, uh, at least from my personal viewpoint, to fully understand. And yeah, then yeah. all I can do is academically describe it, basically. <laughs> so that's uh, so, so in that case, like, um, uh, before, like I'll, I'll maybe sound too naive of, while asking this too fundamental of a question, but, and it would be slightly long because I have to set the context here. Prior to this, these conversations, my understanding was, identity of a person is a rather more or less uh, a rather fixed thing in the sense of at least given in a space of time it evolves over time but if you talk about it but now you say that the moment you change the microcosm around it in a social setting or in a communal setting then the identity shifts or transforms to me that gives me the smell of more of a personality of a person than identity of a person like in a, in a naive term i'm not sure academically i could be entirely wrong but then if that's the case my first assumption used to be that people who 
are aware of their identity seem to find groups and communities that confirm the bias that they have towards their value system. But what you say challenges that, which basically means that groups come first and then the individual when it comes to identity. So what, like, which one is, is a rather more academically correct narrative then? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it it really yeah it really depends on the context. Uh, again, uh, so like the kind of examples that I the kind of example that I refer to mm-hmm. is uh, yeah, a one example in which like yeah, we call it identity, but that that's where yeah that that's a that, that's a setting where people really define themselves by what whatever the group does. Uh, so perhaps you could even question whether identity would be the appropriate label there. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the other part, uh, part of your question uh, that is more relevant to perhaps like the contexts that uh, you're now in, like uh, Southern Germany, mm-hmm. uh, that I'm now in uh, or, or have kind of always been in, so Netherlands, Belgium, US now. Uh, where there is this more emphasis on the, on the individual, yet you, yeah, we all navigate through different settings where one day we're in an academic setting, the other, other day we're with friends. Sometimes we might be with friends who have beliefs who, that, that don't necessarily, yeah, that are a little bit at odds with our beliefs, but we still like them. So uh, the way we kind of navigate that is also just that we present, the, the, we highlight different parts of our identities in different settings. And sometimes, yeah, it's just like, sometimes also hurts a little bit. Like if you hear something, somebody like who's a friend of yours or, or who you consider a friend of yours saying something that is at odds with your with your values yeah. but then you're like you have to make this like decision like am i gonna say something but then, yeah, then i get into this conflict and like we're just having beers here and <laughs> kind of having a relaxed time it's probably better if i don't say anything well that kind of decision making that is also yeah that that it that like it shows that like even though we we still hold those values we might not always like actually show them to the world just based on like yeah prioritizing other values or other ideas other things in that particular setting so that that, that's i hope yeah that would be my answer at least to that other part of your question so it's not necessarily that your identity is just completely different it's just that you present a different part of it Mm. emphasize a different part of it interesting okay um, so from this religious context, and we have been uh, dwindling around the idea of conflict, religion is something I guess all three of us understand to some context. We had all our religious in. The next case, that, the next clip that we're going to play was something that was, uh, when I was talking to the person, that was rather more surprising to me because, and also very, uh, how do you say, very new grounds for me to discriminate. Just to give the demographic of the person, the way he describes himself is that he was assigned wrong gender at birth. The person Mm -hmm. ethnically is Chinese, but has been born and brought up in New Zealand. And uh, both his parents are uh, Chinese and when I talk now, now the person has transitioned into and identifies himself as a heterosexual male. Mm-hmm. And there's this common notion associated when you ask these people that why did you transition and the blanket answer that I've received, I've read always 
is that I just didn't feel right in the body. And let's see what mm-hmm. what what does the person has to say about that. You you mentioned this one phrase that's very commonly used that I didn't feel like I was in the right body. To a heterosexual person like me, I don't really know what that means. So, for example, like, and I hope I I don't sound uh, negligent enough or intrusive enough, but assuming that okay, at one point during my teenage, I started I started feeling like okay, I'm attracted towards guys. So then my first response would have been that okay, maybe I'm homosexual right but then this is not the same as feeling like okay i've been assigned the wrong gender which could have been the which which was your case right you might have felt at yeah. some point that you're attracted to girls but that could have also meant that you're homosexual or you're a lesbian in that sense but this is something different how is it different if if there is any way to describe it yeah i i suppose uh, okay, uh, not to, to not be too technical, there's mm-hmm. an idea of like your so your sexuality and your gender are completely exclusive from each other. Um, and so attraction obviously like your sexual your sexuality is obviously your attraction mm-hmm. and your gender being um, you know your your identity that makes sense like your innate, yeah, gender. Um, and I think because these two can kind of exist separately from each other, they don't necessarily correlate. I think in terms of like being born in the wrong body, um, to put it in an easy way, perhaps or like, yeah, assigned, uh, yeah, assigned the wrong gender is perhaps it goes deeper than just, oh, what, what is my, like why do I like this person or or, or something like that um I think for me when I so like yeah growing up I suppose I never had I never like questioned my attraction to a woman I just didn't yeah I I, I never like was like am I this in my xyz it was very like instantaneous and it felt rather natural and it's not the same obviously for a lot of transgender people um, their sexuality also might develop in different ways. But for me, I think it was very straightforward. Um, in terms of gender, though, I think because gender is rather hard to pin down, we have people like it is, to whatever extent you might argue, is it is socially constructed. So gender being put in the wrong body, perhaps, is goes a bit deeper to I feel a disconnect with the gender that I have now. Um, I don't like the things in which mark my gender. For example, your physical anatomy, um, the way that you move through the world, like or are seen in the world. So your social, um, the social aspect, and like the mental aspect of just like I am this. Um, and what we call like dysphoria. I don't know if you've heard that word necessarily. Yeah, so so dysphoria, like gender dysphoria is basically, it's, it's, it's been difficult to define like in the literature and also among different people, you'll have different definitions of it. But I think the most, the clearest way I can articulate it would be the disconnect one feels with their gender, which is split into three different 
three different like ways in which that manifests and they can vary between people so you've got your physical dysphoria which is your your incongruence with your like physical your, your anatomy and everything like that your physical appearance and then you've got your social so the the difference in how people see you and how you perceive yourself um so for example like people if people saw me as a woman I would feel uncomfortable like I would feel deeply uncomfortable um and then mental is mental is probably the, the hardest one to kind of define but probably just the internal like who am I what is my agenda when I think about who I am what is that gender um if that makes sense and so going back to the whole question of like feeling wrong in your body um it's it's kind of a deeper disconnect than than attraction in a sense because attraction is almost with another person it's it's your relation to another person whereas gender is your relation to yourself um yeah i think that's perhaps like the easiest way to define it um and you and you said that you've never really had that struggle with with gender in that way with that deeper struggle Yeah. So yeah, this, I, I think this was a yeah, very, very good uh, description also of, mm -hmm. of this like yeah, uh, <clears throat> gender identity and yeah, sexual yeah. orientation being yeah, indeed uh, pretty, pretty separate. And yeah, like uh, I thought it was uh, yeah, good description. Yeah, like very interesting to also hear uh, this uh, person's uh, yeah, struggles uh, yeah, basically with that are at least like description of, of what it was like uh, to, to, to kind of figure this this out and also those three uh, dimensions so mm -hmm. there's uh, physical social and yeah more psychological mm -hmm. you could say or mental or whatever you want to call it yeah that, that makes a lot of sense if you if you if you think about it right mm -hmm. so physical so what do you look like and how does that go along with like what you feel like you are and of course, like social, like how do other people react to yourself? But like, I think the important thing to realize also here is that those three things, yeah, we can we can distinguish those three those three things. But at the end of the day, they're all very much interconnected because if yeah, with this physical part, it's gonna play into the psychological part. The psychological part is gonna be affected by the social part, but also might affect the social part because you might present yourself slightly differently as well because of the way you feel about uh, yeah your gender for example so fascinating one of your major areas of research also has been a development of identity in adolescence right mm -hmm. so is the idea of understanding or having a disconnect with one's own gender develops earlier than adolescence itself or is it the age where people start getting it? So it's yeah, that's a complicated question uh, because it can happen during adolescence, but it can also happen yeah even before that. Like in, in uh, yeah, gender identity is one of the things that start like developing in uh, a little earlier. Even even uh, yeah, even in childhood, uh, there's uh, yeah gender identity development going on. Also because we start like 
yeah, working with these gender concepts at such an early age, like mm -hmm. even before the child is born, uh, mm -hmm. the baby room might already be blue or uh, pink. Or pink yeah. or, so, <laughs> so, or neutral. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, these, these kind of like yeah, disconnects might also already like, yeah, the children might already feel a little bit of the of, of this disconnect at a relatively early age. Mm. The thing that is perhaps important to consider is that yeah, in a lot of countries, let's like well, first of all, it's very important to, to realize that like yeah, not that being transgender, for example, doesn't imply that you had like medical procedures. Uh, mm. uh, like you may or may not have had that, or you may or may not want that. If you're gonna have that, uh, mm -hmm. there's yeah legislation of of course in in uh, yeah. several countries that kind of push that yeah well beyond childhood into adolescence, and because in adolescence our more general uh, yeah, identity processes become a little bit more yeah like active you could say yeah you also see a lot of developments going on there as well and then sometimes yeah like also like when people uh, enter college could also be a setting where you uh yeah especially uh I, I don't know how it is in germany at this moment uh but like for example here at tufts uh there are a lot of uh yeah people who just before college or even here at college uh, yeah, come out as non-binary for example as well mm -hmm. i wanted to ask a question from a slightly different angle so for example, for parents who are just like a classic heterosexual couple who is raising a kid, how do they, let's say, contribute to one's journey of sexual identity? I should say both sexual and gender identity, meaning, as you said, there is a stereotypical things we tend to do in society, right? Some societies more than the others, but in most societies, be it East or West, classically girls are wearing something different from very young age to what boys are wearing. Is there like some research which de describe like in which household does people can feel more comfortable to come out or even question particularly things like gender or sexuality? Because for, mm -hmm. for example, the, the system I grew up in or people around me, it was not even a discussion right? So it's not, you are not even in thinking, let alone in, in school, my home, but even in uni. So in uni, of course, people are talking a lot about religion and of course, homosexuality and things like that, but not necessarily questioning the gender itself. And I wonder what is the role of parents and, and really close caretakers, as you said, better than even parents have to play when something like this may or may not take place. I'm not sure if I'm clear in my question. Yeah, 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 you are clear. Like, okay. yeah, to, to what sense? Like, yeah, like, yeah, parents, trans, yeah, of course, uh, communicate certain values and also certain ideas about, yeah, whether or not, like, yeah, gender is more of a fixed thing or not. Like, the, 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 those ideas are like, yeah, whether you want them or not, like, it's kind of the thing that you, you directly or indirectly communicate as a caregiver need uh and then there's the environment like yeah, what do other caregivers how do they communicate about it how do the schools communicate about it? it's also brings in a religious context again or more in the broader cultural context because indeed as you said like we've got this like a kind of yeah 
yeah, still, or for a long time, at least we had this like primarily yeah, binary idea, right? Like about gender. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's whereas like in several other cultures, they didn't have that. Like there's this, this there's these particular culture, cultures, for example, in Asia, but also South America, several cultures are here in North America as well with the native, uh, native uh, Americans, where you do have more uh, yeah, categories. Uh, so there you can indeed see like, yeah, gender is a social construct. So therefore, yeah, the way our caregivers or other folks in our environment talk about it mm -hmm. yeah, will also affect how we feel about it and may therefore also affect like yeah, how likely it is that we will embrace like something beyond the binary for example or yeah how comfortable we will we will feel with that so that's yeah absolutely the reason i asked this comes from this idea which a lot of i don't know if i should say cultures but a lot of Groups of groups of society have that. Okay, if we stop talking about this in schools, in you know, in immediate circles, in church or whatever, then this quote unquote problem won't exist, right? So that's why I asked that uh, because mm. for a lot of people, it's like okay, if we just stop talking about it, then everyone will be black and white per se, right? So that that's where the the question was coming from. How much? Yeah, I I think yeah that that's that's of course like yeah then it might look like a like the problem the, the quote unquote problem is gone. Yeah, but the 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 thing is that like uh, if you cannot really express yourself in a way you feel you'll likely feel you won't feel that great probably yeah. so and Absolutely. like that that's that's kind of kind of the nice uh, thing at least like. Uh, uh, yeah, well, what is happening now here, for example, with, uh, yeah, for example, here at Tufts, uh, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, non-binary uh, identifying students. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't see that, like, when I went to college, there, there were not that many students who would identify as such. And like having that as a, as a, yeah, like having that be socially accepted can, can make all the difference for, for people's uh, well-being. Because like, yeah, of course, like if you really strongly believe that there's only men and women, <laughs> it can be uncomfortable to have that belief questioned and seeing that that other people think differently and yeah, I, other people identifying with something different than that. Uh, and yeah, that might be un uncomfortable to look to look at or whatever for, for some for some people, but for the persons themselves who, who yeah, where it really comes to their to who they are, yeah, it's even more of a problem if they cannot identify with something, uh, yeah, with like, yeah, for example, non-binary or not like uh, the, the, the sex uh, they were assigned at birth. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, so that's, yeah, social acceptance is, is, is important. Uh, so yeah, uh, there's another aspect of social acceptance or denial or suppression comes into picture. I'll take another example that I, uh, that I heard about that mm -hmm. on the same spectrum of LGBTQA+, if you talk about asexuals, that's a relatively mm -hmm. new term for many people and hard to understand for many. And yeah. for, for, for some reason, the face of asexuality is this white blonde girl, right? Yeah. And now that was a face of privilege for a lot of decades, right? Mm -hmm. So now what happens at this point in some sort of a, a cycle of psychology, which is in, in the sense where... There's some sort of a passive suppression happening now thing or this is this asexuality is coming off as a choice 
which is in some mm-hmm. way now a suppression of someone's expression. My question then becomes, has there been any academic study where the journey of suppression to acceptance has been studied or is it even possible that people who are suppressed at some point just start believing that their identity is not really asexual? Yeah, that's, well, that's, that's a very difficult question. Uh, so I do know a little bit about, uh, about that field of research, I, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's complicated. It's relatively new research. I mean, asexuality, of course, has been around for a long, long, long time. Mm-hmm. However, it never went by that label, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So, but like, uh, whew, that's, a, that's a tough question because like, yeah, it would be hard to, to, to really study that. But like more generally, if you're, yeah, whatever identity it is, uh, gender, ethnic, racial, whatever, uh, if it's being denied more or less uh, by certain yeah people uh, in, or certain groups in society or the majority in society or the majority of the people you interact with, you could say like yeah, you kind of might start feeling yeah marginalized, like not part of a group, even though you know like you have this identity. <laughs> But like, yeah, it's, it's uh, so, so actually, oddly, uh, research on, on acculturation might be, might be relevant here because mm-hmm. there's these different acculturation stages. Like you've got your kind of like ethnicity or, or nationality from, from whatever country you're from, and then you move into a different country. And then you might either, you might identify with a little bit with, with your country of origin and a country of where you go to. And then you can end up in different acculturation stages one of which is marginalization, where because of yeah, external factors or because of it just being confusing to yourself, you may no longer identify yeah, with your home culture, but also not with a receiving culture. And that like more general, uh, pro- that it is a more general process in identity is like, if nobody recognizes your identity, you could feel like, yeah, that, it could be very, very uncomfortable and very yeah, unhealthy. And my take on identity is like if somebody describes themselves as in, in a certain category, you should always respect that because this is how they feel. And mm-hmm. like you can never fully understand how they feel unless you are that person. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we can only be one person at a time. So that's... Uh, <laughs> That, that that's yeah why I think to it is very important to always recognize that it might not be a thing to you but it is a thing to them and with asexuality it definitely what well, is lots of research uh, well that the, there might not be a whole lot of research about it in the sense that like it is relatively understudied compared to other uh, yeah at this point we are just sending messages to Dr Jordan Peterson directly like just. <laughs> <laughs> Con- contracting on whatever belief he has, he has portrayed. Okay, so taking that, that was a very fundamental question that the person answered, I guess, quite nicely. But there is not just that level to the person's personality. As I mentioned before, the person is ethnically yeah. Chinese. And Chinese people, through some stigma, are perceived to have some sort of uh, effeminate characteristics. They look, they have a smoother skin, usually no beard. So then being effeminate is being associated with them. So how does that interplay with someone trying to transition is transitioning? So that was the question I asked the person. But in, it's not just the 
uh, gender identity here, right? So having ethnic features like Chinese features also then you mentioned it in your article as well that that also adds another layer of complications to it how how was yeah. steering through that uh, was i think yeah it's it's interesting because um yeah being being chinese or at least being east asian there are rather you know there are and and when i'm i suppose like occupying like a like a chinese environment let's put it that way like when i'm surrounded by you know family who are chinese or like being in the chinese community or whatever i i feel you know pressured on one sense to you know be a certain type of you know to be a certain type of man in order to emphasize the fact that yeah i am one of you in that sense um and because yeah they're obviously like very toxic like toxic conceptions around gender and mm-hmm. in like chinese culture as they are in all different cultures um which are kind of harder to break through because i also have that additional dimension of being like western or you know being born here and not being like a, like tr- like truly chinese in that sense um so so my my variability if that makes sense my gender um variability is kind of seen as like a product a byproduct of being westernized and in that sense it detracts from my chinese identity you know it's like oh you're just doing this trend which all the white kids are doing that you see it like this doesn't happen in our culture um you know um which is is not true like they're transmit gender people everywhere and in every culture in every sense um and it is really i suppose it is kind of hurtful for for like the chinese community or chinese people to be like you are just another westernized like chinese person i i don't know if you've heard the term banana but it's like yellow on the outside one on the inside Um, which is pretty funny yeah i think it's pretty good honestly i gotta give them that but um you know you're just a banana you're just doing hopping on this trend which um and you're you're not chinese because chinese people don't do this it is in that respect quite unfortunate because i have unfortunately had to like distance myself from from certain chinese people uh, who just don't really understand it um who are not willing to understand it. Um, but obviously I would hope that with time, with exposure, people come around to the idea and are able to see like, no, this is like Chinese people are just as, like just as like prevalent in transgender communities. Um, it's not just a, it's not a Western thing, um, this idea. Um, and in terms of when I'm like occupying like a Western, environment which is like most in new zealand i suppose um then it's interesting because it almost fits in like i was saying in the article with the idea of being like east asian you're a bit you're like a bit more feminine you're a bit more you know not the not the hyper masculine idea of uh, that western people kind of assign um to 
to their men or to their white men, you know. Um, and so in that sense, it does aid me in being able to be a bit more flexible with how I present my gender and everything. But at the same time, I, I feel like it is almost a disservice to like Chinese or like East Asian men because it's like we're not all effeminate and I would hate to feed into that narrative yeah. um, just by virtue of, of, of who I am. And I think that, I mean, I, yeah, I talk about perception in that article and I talk about um, how we are all kind of like affected by it without realizing it and everything. Um, and because of my unique perspective, I've unfortunately had to, 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 to know quite intimately that idea of like outside perception and everything. Um, but yeah, I think that my experience of being Chinese in a Western environment, along with like my gender, um, it's it is rather complex and it's quite difficult to navigate, especially when you know, yeah, especially when people know that I am transgender um, because they can treat me differently, and it's a lot of the time they don't know I'm transgender. It's hard to tell whether they treat me differently because I'm Chinese or because I'm transgender. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, interesting here. I think uh, yeah, how does those two different identities kind of uh, yeah? Uh, While well, you. I can't really say they're in conflict with each other, but at least they're like, uh, yeah, touching each other and in, uh, affecting each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, like it, it's, it's also interesting how, uh, how this person describes like how their uh, ethnic uh, identity basically also almost facilitates this, 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 gender identity in a way mm -hmm. but then yeah also how yeah, that, that kind of thing can make you feel bad because it then just yeah. like feeds into this basically yeah like stereotypes about certain uh, ethnic groups and that that's i think that struggle is is, is very real here and mm -hmm. that that's that's yeah this of course from an identity viewpoint it's very interesting to see from a from for the person themselves it's just like super hard to navigate that yeah. and like yeah how yeah so and again that that's also where you can see that like our stereotypes that are around in our society can make individual True. identity processes like how do you navigate mm -hmm. all of that like it's just very complicated and yeah again <laughs> You could see like how how it how it's important to uh, yeah really break down those stereotypes yeah and make identity processes or uh, forming an individual identity for everyone a little easier. So that's uh, yeah I think that's very well illustrated here. Well, while choosing the clip as well, that was the one of the primary ideas as well. Just that we are able to um, give a platform in our limited capacities. To, to some sort of representation in this case, which is rather unique in some sense. And of course, yeah. there's an academic view over this, which could be studied and stuff. But as your message clearly implied that there is a humanitarian aspect of it that reaches far beyond at this point and touches far more people than an academic view of things. 
Uh, but yeah, yeah, this this conflict also brings us back to where we started this conversation in some sense, wherein we talked about uh, the conflict of language and then racial things coming to picture. And now all of things, when, when we think of the person speaks Chinese to add that mm-hmm. extra piece of information. So now from mm-hmm. an ethnic standpoint, being the Chinese in a white community who speaks mm-hmm. other languages as well and identifies with that language too, Mandarin to be specific, and mm-hmm. then the gender aspects of the things come and all of that interplays into what 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 we just heard so yeah of course it makes things more complicated if it makes anyone listening to us or you as well a bit happier as well i did ask the person later in, while talking to him that is he happy that he transitioned in hindsight are you happy about it that you took that leap yeah, I I think so. I think I if I had waited, I don't think yeah, I don't think I would be nearly as happy as I am now. So if that makes anyone happy, I hope it does. So it at least made me happy. I think one of the reasons to do this sort of episode for us was Mm -hmm. also not to just talk about identity at a theoretical level, which we usually do in our regular episodes, to be honest, where we take a concept and then bring an expert like yourself and talk about it. And identity seems so personal that we also wanted to have this small platform where we can hear people's stories from like different spectrums, even within last few hours, we heard someone strong opinions about homosexuality to then other person having this uh, transition, the struggles with being different and things like that. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think that there's also, yeah, what is really highlights as well is is also, yeah, something that we call intersectionality. Like uh, for example, if, yeah, the, the way yeah gender identity processes work uh, also depends on like yeah the, the, the yeah on your ethnic identity the ethnic group that you're part of and like gender identity processes don't work the same in every single ethnic group in every single context so that's that's I think this is also a very good illustration of that. Mm-hmm. And then, as you said, with a with a good outcome, so that's that that's that's even better. So that's uh, and like of course, like if the outcome is good, it doesn't mean that the the, the process uh, towards that good outcome mm. was easy. But still, mm. like uh, yeah, for for anyone who's yeah in a position where they are struggling to find out who they are, uh, yeah, this is just a very good message to see like that outcome, despite all the struggles, mm-hmm. yeah often is like yeah. you often just find your way mm-hmm. so that's uh yeah and i think and on that beautiful note we would like to say thank you very much for not just taking time to navigate mm-hmm. let's say identities of yeah of the stories of people we heard of your own partly ours mm-hmm. uh, but more importantly not to just talk about it from a researcher point of view but rather also as a human perspective and that's something i really like because you always put yourself into the mode of identity researcher but also as a human and i think especially with these personal stories it becomes even more important to to showcase that empathy so thanks for for being that i guess an extension to that thank you would be for somehow tolerating 
our questions and trying to understand the process since we, we realized that we were quite long in our questions at times. So we thank you for being patient and answering us in, in, in the best way that we could have imagined for. Thank you. Thank you to you. Welcome. And, uh, <laughs> your questions really weren't that, uh, that long for, for academic standards. <laughs> Depends on what, the context that you're in. For, no, for, for anyone outside of an academic context, they might have been long. For somebody within an academic context, bad or long. So, <laughs> so yeah, thank you for inviting me. It's, uh, yeah. Hey guys, if you have reached this point uh, in the episode, then thanks a lot for listening to the entire episode. We really hope that you find the episode informational as much as we did. Before you leave, just one small request. If you want to keep track of what we are releasing every week or want to know more about the additional content which we produce regularly, please follow us on our social media. Our Instagram is info under the radar. On Twitter, we are at the rate info under radar. We are also active on LinkedIn. Uh, that's also info under the radar. That's it for now. Bye.